0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, August 29th, 2021. The share ID numbers for Friday, August 27th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,644. That's 17644 and for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,645. That's 17645. This morning, A Vision for You presents a daily tune-up. The OA 12 Steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel, The obsession to compulsively overeat and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. The purpose of steps one through nine is a personal transformation leading to a spiritual awakening. The Big Book provides clear cut directions as to how you can experience a personality change to overcome compulsive overeating. The big book also gives us a very clear warning and instruction. And I read from page 85, the first paragraph. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest On our laurels, we are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line, all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. How do we maintain our spiritual condition? What exactly is spiritual condition, spiritual fitness anyway? How can we achieve it? What must we do to maintain it? A life in recovery includes facing challenges and adjustments. The script of our life doesn't always go our way. Daily tune-ups are a necessity. There are new skills and new behaviors to develop, and new attitudes to practice. The big book stresses the importance of carrying the vision of God's will into all of our activities. The steps promise a daily tune-up to continue to catalyze our inner growth, our new attitudes, and our new spirit. Joining us today are three recovered compulsive overeaters to bring to life this paragraph and to share their experience regarding their efforts to have a daily tune-up. Our three recovered compulsive overeaters this morning include Nancy J. from Illinois, Darian Kay from Massachusetts, and Dawn B. from California. And it's with great appreciation to have them on the line this morning. And let's begin with panelist number one, Nancy J. Good morning, Nancy.
1: Hello, Leah. This is Nancy J. from Geneva, Illinois, and I'm so happy to be here this morning. Of course, I'm nervous because, you know, this is, such, this is such a large group and people extending all over the world. And so what I've done in order to keep myself calm and focused on what I am supposed to be doing here, I lit a candle. And this is something that I, I do in order to feel the presence of my higher power. I have a candle right next to me and and the flickering light is telling me I'm not alone. And, and that to me is what having a higher power is all about, that I'm not alone in this world. For me, it's remarkable because I am an atheist slash agnostic. I was raised Jewish. I was mitzvahed and mitzvahed uh, in a Jewish family, and we celebrated the Jewish holidays, but I never prayed to God. I never had a personal God. I, Until this day, in my head, I'm not sure if there is such a thing, but I try not to worry about it because I need this spiritual way of life desperately. And why do I say that? Because six years ago at age, I was almost 70 years of age at that time, I'm 76 now, I was almost 300 pounds and getting bigger all the time. I couldn't keep in to any size clothes because weekly I seemed to go up to another size. And on top of it, I was bleeding from my nose. Uh, I'm a lawyer, and I'd go to work, and all over the papers on my desk, there'd be red blood. I was having nosebleeds from high blood pressure. So I was in a desperate condition, and I went to OA, got a sponsor, went through the steps, and I just had to deal with the fact that this is a spiritual program. I needed recovery desperately, and I just did the best I could uh, with God being mentioned throughout the big book. And I I found it was not an obstacle that I was able to just think about the good in the world uh, and that hopefully there is some loving guidance in this world. And uh, I didn't worry about the fact that intellectually uh, I was an atheist agnostic because I found that by going through the steps and doing all the things the big book tells us to do, saying the prayers, doing all the detailed instructions, I felt that there was a loving guidance in my life, a protective guidance in my life. And, and that's where I am today, uh, where I don't know what I believe intellectually. I don't know if I had a lie detector test, if it would say I do believe in God or I don't. I try not to worry about it because what's important is when I reach out for the help of my higher power, I always get the help. I always get the guidance. That is a miracle. And now I've maintained 105 pound weight loss uh, for six years. I'm 76 years old. I'm in excellent health. And so I'm so grateful to this program and I try to follow this program to the very best of my ability. I sponsor people. I am sponsored. I go to at least one meeting every day. I love Zoom. Zoom has been such a joy in my life. And all the connections that I have in this program are so precious to me. I recently read an article, I think it was in the AARP magazine, which told about what things were important for an aging individual. And, I, and of course, we're all aging, but I think they meant in the senior citizen category, what's important for someone who, who is aging? And they stressed connection. And I thought, how lucky I am to have all the connections that I have through OA, through Zoom, uh, I've never added them up, but I'm sure I I know hundreds of people, people all over the world who I never would otherwise know, beautiful people in Rimini, Italy, and in Melbourne, Australia, and in Dublin, Ireland, and all these fabulous places in, in Colorado, in California, in Texas, all over the world, Israel so how lucky we are how lucky we are to have these connections and 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 a spiritual program of recovery now i want to call your attention to the instructions in our beautiful big book about exactly what we do to keep in fit spiritual condition and in my mind to keep it fairly simple it's really telling us How do you go through the day? What do we do in order to go through a day and and live this program? So I turn to page 86 and I see it tells me exactly what to do, how you wake up in the morning. Imagine, it's so detailed that it tells you what to think about when you wake up in the morning. And I did this this morning. I woke up you'll see in the middle of page 86 it says on awakening and uh I did that this morning this morning I woke up and the first thing I did was just be so grateful I didn't oversleep because I knew I had this responsibility for a vision for you so I knew that I hadn't overslept and I thank you God that I didn't oversleep and then here in the middle of page 86 it tells us We think about the 24 hours ahead. Well, for my 24 hours ahead, I was very much thinking about this talk that I was going to be giving for a vision for you. So it says what we do before we think about it, we ask God to direct our thinking. So I said, God, direct my thinking. This was this morning when I woke up. And God, when you direct my thinking, please divorce my thinking from any self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Well, what would that be for me this morning? Well, self-pity might be, gee, I didn't sleep that well during the night, and now I have to get up early. Uh, Dishonest, well, the, the lie I could be telling myself is that I have to do some kind of performance. And of course, what I'm doing is not a performance. Hopefully, it's to help to help others because we have an altruistic program. Self-seeking motives, what would they be? My ego, I wanna do a great job in this talk. And that God helped my brain to not be there where I'm trying to uh, do some kind of uh, A-plus performance. My goal should be in this spiritual program to do God's will to help others. Then it says, under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties. For after all, God gave us brains to use. So it's okay to use our brains. And our thought life, my thought life, what I'm speaking about now, hopefully is placed on a much higher plane because my thinking has been cleared of wrong motives. I'm thinking about who I can help. Then it goes on to say we may face indecision. Uh, In my case this morning, it would be what would I actually talk about? And I ask God for inspiration. God, give me the right thought. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. So I don't have to be uh, struggling as to what I'm going to talk about this morning. I have my candle here next to me with the, the flame burning brightly. And I'm hoping very much that God is guiding me through what I'm going to be, the subjects I'm going to be talking about. And it goes, it says on page 87 that our thinking as time passes is going to be more and more on the plane of inspiration. And it talks about a much higher plane there on page 86. And it talks about plane of inspiration on page 87. So, through this program, our thinking is, is a different kind of thinking. And that to me is, is uh, spiritual fitness, uh, where our thinking is, is not down in the motives of self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking. It is on a higher plane, a plane where God is going to help us to rise above those motives, divorce us from those motives, and give us intuitive thoughts. And then it goes on to say on page 87 that uh, we pray to be shown all throughout the day what our next step is to be. And uh, then it goes on towards the bottom of 87 and says we memorize a few set prayers. And I'm going to read a prayer now that I set aside here for this purpose to read to you this morning. This is a prayer. That I became acquainted with when I went to the OA birthday party a few years ago in Los Angeles. And I went to a workshop at the OA birthday party called Finding Your Higher Power. And I went, and there were two wonderful uh, leaders of that workshop. One was an OA member who was a Catholic priest, the other was somebody who has done a lot of wonderful service in OA. And I went to the workshop. And during the course of that workshop, this prayer was mentioned. It's a prayer that uh, was, uh, that is famous because a Catholic priest uh, in New York who died in 9-11 eventually used to hand out cards to people in New York with this prayer on it. And his name is Michael Judge, M-Y-C-H-A-L, last name Judge. They call him the the priest of 9-11 because he died as a hero in 9-11, trying to help others. And you can tell from his little prayer that he used to put on cards and hand out that he was recovered in AA. You hear the 12-step message in this little prayer, and I'm going to read it now. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me out of your way. Now, if you go down further on page 87, it tells us how to go through the day. And to me, this is how you go through the day and remain spiritually fit. It's very detailed. It says if we're agitated or doubtful, we pause. And, you know, that's such wise advice as far as I'm concerned, because when I'm agitated or doubtful, I don't make good decisions. I make emotional decisions. I say things I shouldn't say. I I feel angry. I feel resentful. I feel fearful. Um, I'm dishonest in my thinking. So it's telling us pause when agitated or doubtful. And Ask for the right thought or action. Again, we're trying to get our thinking on a higher plane. And that, to me, is being spiritually fit. It's being guided by our higher power. The next sentence, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Constantly, now that word constantly is interesting. Does that mean that literally all through the day, minute by minute, I'm saying to myself, Nancy, you are no longer running the show. Thy will be done. That's the way I read it. This this is what should be going through our brain constantly. And the reason I like that is because the way I look at our obsession, our compulsion with food, in my case, I'm a binge eater. And uh, I don't want food thoughts in my brain. I want these thoughts that come from being on a higher plane in my brain. And, well, what do you put up there? Well, it says God gave us brains to use. Our thinking can be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. Our, high, our higher power can do that for us. And by saying constantly, I'm no longer running the show, thy will be done. And So this is how I see a day of spiritual fitness. Now, I only have a minute left, a minute or two left, and then the other two panelists are going to be sharing their thoughts on this. I wanna just say that um, the book tells us again and again, this is an altruistic program. And that makes this way of life so beautiful. It gives us a purpose to our existence. And for someone my age, 76, looking at the years ahead, it's so beautiful to have a purpose to my existence. I'm just to where I'm semi-retired now as a lawyer. I have hopefully uh years ahead of of health where I could be of, of service to others. And uh I I turn to page fourteen in Bill's story in the book where Bill says, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They in turn might work with others. So that's Bill's vision. And of course, that vision has come to be because we are a chain. We're a beautiful fellowship worldwide. And we, we in turn, work with others. At the bottom of page 14 and the top of page 15, the book further says, faith without works was dead, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, and there we get into the concept of spiritual fitness, through work, and self-sacrifice for others he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead this is so interesting because it's telling us that to perfect and enlarge your spiritual life it's through action we are have a program of action and that action results in spiritual fitness if it is work and self-sacrifice for others and if we do that, we can survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. The middle of page 15 further says, I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. So this is the, the message that, that I find when I read the book as to how we stay spiritually fit If we follow the program of action and we're part of this beautiful chain of one helping another. uh, I'm going to end by reading from page 164, uh, the end of the chapter, A Vision for You, where it says, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. So God will be helping me, and I'm going to ask for that guidance. God, each day, help me to know what actions I should take to uh, to progress in my spiritual growth. Ask God in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. So this is our program it is an altruistic spiritual program, and I thank God that that I'm in it, and I'm that I'm in it with all of you. With that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Nancy J, for your share this morning. Now I welcome panelist number two, Darian K. Hi
2: there, Leah. Can you hear me? Okay. I
0: do. I hear you. Welcome.
2: Okay. okay. Thank you so much. Oh, and thank you, Nancy. Um, you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm probably gonna say very similar things. And then I thought, Well, of course you are. Um, you know, this is how the program works. It's not like we're reinventing the wheel or you know, um claiming that we have a different um way of doing things. Like this is this is clear cut directions. And um and yeah, it's it's simple, not easy, but um Necessary um, to, you know, remain a fit spiritual condition on a daily basis. Um, Just briefly, um, I will tell you how I came to program. I came in 1986. Um, I followed my sister and my mom into program, as I did with all my diets. Um, And it was uh, definitely the last thing I did. I came, I, I didn't know this, but as I look back, I came in hopeless and out of options. Um, and, you know, I came in because I didn't know how to diet really. Um, and I had always extra weight on, you know, I was always just a little under 200 pounds and, uh, you know, just not, not happy inside, you know, um, on the outside I smiled, but on the inside, I didn't feel, I didn't feel that way. And I, uh, I hated my legs so much, um. You know, and uh, yeah, I just, I just lived that way. It was just, it was just an existence of kind of sadness, you know, Um, you know, why couldn't I get the boyfriends and why couldn't I, you know, why did I hate Jim so much? And why couldn't I wear the beautiful clothes that everyone was wearing at that time? You know, the Jordache jeans and the (laughs) painter's pants and all this stuff in the 70s. And, um, you know, why, why was I different? you know why did i like food so much why did i get such a high um picking up certain foods on a friday night driving them home and oh, just couldn't wait to eat them and uh you know there was no such thing as serving sizes it, you know if three of us were eating we split things in threes if there was two two people we split it in half <laughs> um and so you know i just knew that i was different um and, you know, I thank God, thank God every day that I found this program when I did, um, because it has carried me through so much of my life, obviously. You know, you come in at 24, and now I'll be 16th February, which is crazy. Um, you know, I just think back to all the living that I did um, with this program at my side, with my higher power. Uh, guiding me, and um just so, so grateful um, but this is a spiritual program of action, and for me, action i you know I looked up that word, I didn't really need to, I know what that means, but it's you know activity and effort, exertion, and work oh, those were so against the grain of my existence. I just work with a four letter word, and I just didn't want to do the work, you know that's why all those other programs. That I tried before away never never succeeded. So I did not do the work. <laughs> um, you know, I I took it home and you know you just don't you don't exert yourself on the weekends. That's you know when you cheat or eat or whatever, and then you get back on the stick Monday. And that was just my mantra, you know. Um, and how was anything going to be successful? And I never obviously um, thought about. The spiritual end of anything, you know, it wasn't. It did not occur to me at all that there was um a higher power that could help me with what I know now as a food addiction. Um, I too grew up in the Jewish faith, and um, that kind of ended at 13 for me. <laughs> um, you know, I was I, I did all of the things I needed to do and got bat mitzvah and you know, and then. That's it. <laughs> um, I guess the rest was more like, oh, which food do we cook at this holiday? Which food do we cook at this holiday? Because um, <laughs> that's really all I was focused on. Uh, surprise, surprise. So, um, you know, I, I don't consider myself really religious, but I was more more than some, I guess. And but that really didn't didn't make me any closer to my higher power, especially when it came to um My food problem, you know, and so when I came to this program um, in 1986, um, I learned, I learned that there is a higher power out there that's going to help me with this problem that I have, Um, that there's a solution Um, and that, you know, many, many, many people um, have tapped into the solution and have had good results. And, you know, of course, my mom and my sister were my role models. Um, they were the ones, they were the program of attraction because they, um, you know, my, my sister was in a deep, dark depression with her weight and suicidal. And my mom was always heavy, you know, always a size, I don't know, 22 or something like that in my Bryant. And we just... Yeah, I just um, always felt bad. She was always struggling with her weight. And so when I saw this program um, working in their life, I was like, wow, this is different. This is definitely different than the other programs. There's something about this. And, you know, um, I, I I got hooked. <laughs> um, but But, you know, having been in program for 35 years, um, in September will be 35 years. Um, it's easy to want to rest on our laurels, on my laurels, you know, become complacent. Um, you know, I was looking up laurels and, you know, they, they, they equated it to what, you know, the Greek or Romans wore on their head, you know, after a victory, you know, the, after a success. And it, you kind of want to think, you know, you want to sit back and and not do as much work after all these years. You know, I should know by now what to do. You know, this disease is a subtle foe, as it says. You know, um, subtle, understated, vague. And a foe is an opponent or an enemy. And it just wants me to have that false sense of control. You know, like, I've got this attitude. And now it's time for me to sort of isolate and, you know, do this on my own. And... You know, like it says here, I am not cured. I am not cured. I have a daily reprieve um, as long as I stay connected um, to this program and to certain things that are a priority in order to maintain my spiritual recovery. You know, I I need to do certain things to maintain harmony, inner peace, you know, egolessness. <laughs> um, you know, and just be present in my life. Um, and so I just sort of, you know, bulleted a few things that I do. I'm sure there's more, but the first thing, obviously, is prayer. <sighs> prayer and meditation, you know, humbling myself daily to my God. I don't need to know exactly who that higher power is, but um, I feel a sense of this in my heart and I do a feel a sense of it in nature. You know, I'm sitting out on a um screened in porch and I see the green all around me and I think, yeah, this is beautiful, this is God created and you know, I so I try not to I try not to analyze it too much just so that I can um you know be be available to that power. Um and I you know I just release my will on a daily basis in the morning when i before I get up, you know, I humble myself to um my higher power and and just try to ask to be free of self-will, you know, like it says, "Thy will not mine be done." I mean a prayer as simple as that um can work it doesn't need to be. I mean, it surely can be um, specific prayers and things that um, people really like to say in the morning. Um, but mine is simple. Um, you know, I just ask for guidance um, each and every day, and um, and I just I you know I just stay connected to that that source of inspiration. Um, you know, that that freedom from self will, like it says on page eighty-seven. Um, that I just need to, to have that to make good decisions, to stay with right thinking, um, to be um, on the plane, like it says, the plane of of goodness and, you know, spiritual connection. Um, the The next thing is about, you know, connecting to others and working with others. You know, there's an entire chapter, chapter seven, on working with others. So Evidently, it's super-duper important because there's a whole chapter on it, Um, and that is um, that also is part of my day, you know, whether it's calling someone and simply just listening um, to them um, or sharing. You know, I need to remember that sharing is important, too, on my end. I could be a really good listener (laughs) um, and not necessarily share um and so i you know i need to definitely be aware of that um and sponsoring people you know when i when there's a lull of maybe not having anyone in my life that i'm sponsoring i feel it i feel i feel that um because um that's an important part of my program it always has been um and then creating a network of fellows you know um when i have all of you in my phone as VM for vision meeting um, and your names. I have OA from different meetings that I've been to. Um, and so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's so important for me to have that resource um, of fellows that go before me because they've either been where I've been or, you know, they have really um, heartfelt wisdom um for me to um you know make a decision you know and and uh not not be impulsive um and then continuing to actively do the steps i mean yes this i mean this chapter is called into action action it's important like i said it's it's doing it's activity it's effort <laughs> um and this program of action um, needs to be um, a part of my daily life, um, whether it's making amends, uh, actually working the steps in different ways, you know, um, you know, um, just determining what character defects are working and which ones are not working. Um, and for whatever reason, self-centeredness and fear are often the culprits that robbed me of my serenity. So uh, those are two things that I I tend to focus on quite a bit um, when I'm thinking about what character traits are um, are not working for me, you know? And it's important. It's important for me to be honest. The honesty is key, right, to how we live our life and the benefits that we're going to gain. Um, as a result of working the, the program, you know um, it's worth, it's, you know, like they say, how free do you want to be? That's what comes to mind as I, I say that, you know, that honesty needs to be a part of my life. Nobody's going to come here and say, Darian, you know, you're, you're doing A, B, and C, or look at that pattern you, you've got going on with this person in your life. Don't you think you should be working on it? Or, you know. Um, look at that particular food. It's, you know, maybe it's a little bit too important to you. Like nobody's coming into my life telling me this stuff. This is all the honesty I have between me and my higher power. And I have to, I must be in tune to that in order to, um, to live a free person. Um, It's just so important for me. um, That honesty. Um, The nightly review is, it's very helpful for me um i so appreciate it um you know uh Nancy alluded to it on page 86 you know what what could we what could we have done better um that's part of that and i love that i i think about that because it helps me feel human and imperfect you know because much of my way of thinking is perfection and and wanting people to look at me a certain way And this just tells me, you know, it it asks me, you know, what could we have done better? What can I think about um, besides the resentments and the selfishness? (laughs) Um, Because that comes easily, um, for the most part, you know. Um, So that that's really that's so 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 helpful. Um, And I think, you know, I think of it like I work in the schools, and this just occurred to me, you know, we ask we ask children that too when they're when they've had a temper tantrum, or you know they're feeling like they can't do something you know or or they get you know a poor grade or whatever, you know what could you have done better how could you how could you make things right you know and that's just a gentle, wonderful reminder of our humanness and our imperfection um and then the last thing um that i that I wanted to stress is the practice of love and tolerance. Um, You know, they talk about that on page 84. You know, asking myself if I'm coming from a place of love and tolerance, um, you know, when I open my mouth, (laughs) when I say something, um, is that love? (laughs) Am I practicing love? Am I practicing tolerance? It's so hard sometimes. But as I breathe, I think about that pause. You know, that, that also Nancy alluded to on page 87, taking that time to pause and simply thinking about what it is that I need to do to remain on that plane of love and tolerance and to be, you know, um, in tune with that, um, because that that's going to be so much more helpful <laughs> than um, in the way that I think and the way my mind operates. Um, you know, it's it's hard. It's it's like I said, it's a program of action. So it's work, <laughs> it's effort, it's exertion. Um, you know, uh I work up a proverbial sweat, I guess, um, <laughs> doing these certain things in my life, but the um the results are wonderful. The results give me that peace and harmony in the world with all the relationships that I have. You know, and we'll always be in a relationship, whether it's with ourselves, um, other people, our higher power. Oh, we are always in a relationship. And so we always, uh, I always have to make sure that I am constantly working at. Um, relationships and becoming a better person um and that's what the that's what these steps and this program and this wonderful big book offer us um clear-cut directions so that we know what to do um on a daily basis to keep what we have um and to have long-term sobriety you know that's what i want i want i want I want this for the long haul. I need this for the long haul. I am lost without this program, and it is just such an important part of my life. And I so appreciate all of the people that have um, helped me through this pro- through this this program. There's been so many, um, countless people, um, even a newcomer that I talked to for maybe 10 minutes. Everyone helps me to see what I need to see, um, and it's just so precious to me. And I hope that I always, um, I always think this way um, because I don't want to. I just don't want to lose what I have. And so, to remain in fit spiritual condition is, uh, yeah, the, the the guiding force um, that keeps me doing what I do. So, thank you so much for listening.
0: Thank you for sharing with us, Darian Kay. I now welcome panelist number three, Dawn B. from California. Good morning, Dawn.
3: Good morning, Leah. This is Dawn B. from Southern California, and it is a recovered compulsive overeater, and it is just a pleasure to be here today sharing with you. Um, Yeah, so I... um, I started in OA back in the late 1970s, if you can believe that. And uh, I believe it was January of 78 when I went to my first OA meeting. Um, And uh, it's been a a beautiful journey. And I must say that it took me um, almost 35 years uh, in the program. I will admit, though, there were a number of those years, uh, those 35 years, when the only one who knew I was a member of OA was myself, Um, but uh, essentially 35 years um, in and out of the rooms, Uh, but it took me that long before I was able to become abstinent, more than three days here, seven days there, 21 days, once or twice, Um, so... You know, failure in the program is really my specialty. Uh, It's what I have the most experience at, uh, half measures, moderation, that kind of thing. Um, I was really good at that. And uh, a miracle happened um, nine years ago when I realized to the core of my being that there's nothing ahead for me except for a lot more pain, a lot more suffering, and an early death. Or I need to put down the food. I need to clearly identify the common alcoholic ingredients and put them down 100%. Because this is absolutely life or death for me. And so I put down the food. And I picked up this program and worked it like my hair was on fire. And worked it like my life depends on it because it absolutely does. This is absolutely life or death for me. And um, all thanks be to God. um, You know, I'm down over 120 pounds from my top weight. I'm at a normal BMI. I don't need to lose any more weight. And I've been abstaining now for um, nine years. And it is just an amazing, shocking miracle. Um. I'm a wife, I have a husband, and um, I'm also a mother. I'm a mother of four young adult children. Uh, Three of them have autism, one very, very severe, uh, two others very impacted as well, and um, uh, three of those children also, or I'm sorry, two of those children that have autism also have mental illness. Um. And my husband is a um, advanced cancer survivor, and he has uh, ongoing health issues. so um, I can honestly say, though, as a result of working this program, uh, that I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams, uh, not because my circumstances have changed so dramatically, um, but because my attitude about those circumstances has been transformed by the working of these steps. And it is a beautiful miracle that continues uh, on a daily basis when I practice this spiritual program of action and do not rest on my laurels because I'm certainly headed for trouble if I do. And I'm reminded that food is a subtle foe I'm not cured of my compulsive overeating. What I really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. So what do I do to maintain my spiritual condition? Um, Well, it starts with uh, remembering uh, what my challenge is. And my challenge is on page 62 of the big book where it says selfishness, self-centeredness. Now, the big book of AA was the only literature that was available when I started in Overeaters Anonymous. And they were reading this chapter when I got to my first meeting. And I thought, what in the world are we reading about alcoholics for? This is so bizarre, uh, you know, I really, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I'm just here to lose some weight, um, you know, and when I do that, I'll be gone. But I just don't get it why I'm reading about people with alcoholism. So little did I know um, that this would be such a treasure uh, for my life and such a uh, beautiful learning. And that just goes to show, you know, what I thought was the worst possible thing in my life. This was uh, my compulsive overeating turned out to be what I thought was a tragedy uh and a curse turned out to be a tremendous tremendous blessing so that just goes to show I really you know I don't know I am blind and I've learned through this program that my higher power sees perfectly and so I more and more can practice relying on the vision that my higher power has and less on mine. So on page 62, it says, selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my troubles. And I remember reading this at first and thinking, well, I'm not that, I'm not a selfish person. I. And they mentioned dishonesty. I'm like, well, I don't really see myself as, you know, a person that's so dishonest. But um, now I realize that that's just not the case. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, and self-seeking and self-pity. I step on the toes of my fellows and they retaliate. So my troubles uh, are of my own making, and that really was interesting for me to read. My troubles are of my own making, they arise out of myself. I am an extreme example of self-will run riot. Wow. Above everything else, I must be rid of this selfishness. I must, or it kills me. God makes that possible. So first, um, the food was killing me. And now I learn that I have something else to worry about as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, In the beginning, you know, I was trying to seek my ease and comfort from food. And then... Once the food was put down, I realized that I was trying to seek my ease and comfort from controlling other people and controlling circumstances. And um, so that is still a a, uh, challenge to this day that um, I will forget, to not try to seek my ease and comfort from trying to control others and circumstances. So how can I get rid of this selfishness? Um, God makes that possible. So it says, um, I can't uh, reduce my self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on my own willpower. I have to have God's help. So I am going to be needing and relying on God to help me um, be rid of my character defects, be rid of my selfishness. Um, not because that they're bad, but because uh, they just don't work. So this is the how and the why of it. First of all, so when it says first, I really need to stand up and pay attention. First of all, I have to quit playing God. It doesn't work. And um, that was a surprise to me as well. Playing God, I didn't think I was trying to play God, but I realize <clears throat> that I certainly am. And... um That is the thing that I really need to uh, keep watching out for when I'm trying to play God, when I'm trying to run the show. Um, Next it says, hereafter in this drama of life, God is going to be my director. He is the principal and I am his agent. So God is the director. God's going to be telling me how to be and act and what to say now in this drama of life he's the principal i'm his agent so he is the one i work for his um i'm legally bound to work for his best interest whatever is important to god is now my priority and what i work towards he is the father i am his child so thinking of the perfect father um you know, he's going to be protecting me, loving me, holding me, guiding me, um, showing me what to look out for, and uh, really caring and loving for me. So, most good ideas are simple. This concept was a keystone. So, that should be a red flashing light uh, for me, too a keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which I pass through to freedom. So, this idea of me not playing God of not trying to run the show, is crucial. The keystone is the center stone of the arch, which holds the whole arch up, and all the other stones press in on it and rely on it. So this concept of me realizing that my tendency is to want to play God, to want to run the show, uh, is key to this triumphant arch through which I pass to freedom. Ah, it's just a beautiful thing. So now I have a new employer, so uh, not my usual uh, priority list, my knee-jerk ones that I'm just going to be following through. Now I have someone new who's determining my priorities during the day. So this is how I keep in fit spiritual condition is I remember that it's not my priority list that I'm looking to work towards. It's my new employer's priority list. And my new employer is all-powerful, so will provide me with everything that I need. So I need to stay close to my new employer and do all I can to perform not my work well, not what I want to see done, but my higher powers, my new employers work well. That's what I'm, That's my priority now. So um, then it goes on to describe um, what happens when I do that. When I do that and make my higher powers will, my new employer, my priority, I become less and less interested in myself. My little plans and designs uh, fall away. They become less important. Um, I start seeing what I can contribute to life. I'm made aware of opportunities for me to be of service that I simply wasn't aware of previously because I was so focused on getting my needs met. And now when I'm focusing on how can I best serve you, God, what's your will for me? All these new awarenesses come to my mind, and I feel a new power flow in, and I enjoy peace of mind. Wow. Regardless of my circumstances, I enjoy peace of mind. As I discover I can face life successfully, and I, I become conscious of God's presence. And I begin to lose my fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter I am reborn. So I feel a new power flow in. Uh this is the case for me. When I'm practicing this new way of life that I must practice on a moment by moment, daily basis. Um my peace of mind, I find, is not dependent on my circumstances, but it's dependent only on my staying in contact with the loving presence of my higher power. Um, recently, we were coming back in a RV from an RV trip. We took an RV trip to the Midwest. And um, on our way home, we had number of mechanical difficulties with our RV culminated by one experience where, um, these toxic fumes were coming into the cabin of the RV and we were driving down, uh, this road and, um, and, uh, the whole thing, like I say, was filling with fumes, this alarm, toxic fume alarm was going off and it was, uh, chaos, as you can imagine. Um, and then there was had been a storm. Um, we had to pull over, wait for the storm to pass. And then when we started driving, there was stop-and-go traffic. And so every time we would stop, which was, you know, most of the time, the RV would fill up with fumes, so we had to roll all our windows down. But <clears throat> there was a rainstorm, and it was raining on us as we were driving down the road. So here I am. I'm driving the RV, and it's pouring rain. I have my windows down, stop-and-go traffic. Um, and I'm like, God, please help me, please help me. Um, and, uh, I can honestly say I did not handle that situation all that well, but it was a great learning experience. And, um, I began to, uh, think about, you know, the people that were cutting in line and driving alongside of the road, think about them as, you know, maybe they have, situations that I'm just not aware of. Maybe somebody in their car is having a panic attack. You know, maybe they, you know, who knows what their situation is. And tried to think with my son was actually helping me think of, you know, um, being kind and compassionate to those people driving around us. And, um, and then the next day, we also had stop and go traffic. And it was a beautiful, beautiful uh, experience because I was just focused on, okay, God, whatever it is, I accept it. Whatever your will is here, I'm just going to accept it. I welcome it, and I say thank you. And I was just going with the flow of the traffic. You know, I wasn't resisting it. I was just letting go and letting God. And it was just a peaceful, beautiful, meditative experience. Uh, Such a contrast to the night before when I was resisting what was going on and pushing it away. Now I was just like, whatever it is, God, I accept it, I welcome it, and I say thank you. And it was just so peaceful and so beautiful. Every day, going back to page 85, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine be done. These are thoughts which must go with me constantly. And what a beautiful thing it is and can be when I'm just letting go and my only goal is God's will for me and seeking that out. So I'm pausing in situations and I'm practicing this throughout the day. I'm pausing and I'm saying, God, please help me to see this situation more like you see it. Please give me your eyes to be able to see this situation more clearly as you see it. Help me to see this person more like you would have me see them. Help me to love them as you would delight in me loving them. How would you have me handle this situation, God? So, looking as God is my director. Uh, and that's how I can go through the day, and that is what I can practice. Um, and this is the first of. Three constantly's that they are uh, that's coming. Um, So this is our this is my work. This is what I'm doing during the day. I am constantly having, asking, pausing, practicing. What's your will, God? Help me to see this situation more like you do. The next constantly is uh, the top of the next page, page 86, when it talks about prayer and meditation. So I'm using prayer and meditation. To, to constantly uh, throughout the day, practicing it, not beating myself up when I forget, but just doing it as much as I can. And then the next constantly is at the bottom of page uh, 87. This is my work. This is what I'm to be practicing. It says, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. And I think this is uh, Bill W. was a walker. And uh, I enjoy walking as well, and that's part of my spiritual practice, to get out and just see the beauty of nature and clear my mind and relax in God's loving presence. And so, um, you know, if you think of Bill W., and I think of Bill W. walking, saying to himself, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. I constantly remind myself. I am no longer running the show, humbly saying to myself many times each day, Thy will be done. And the peace that comes from surrendering to my higher power in all things and letting go and letting God's will be my priority. Help me to see this situation more like you see it, God. Help me to see this person more like you see them. Want me to love them as you would delight in me loving them, God. And it is a beautiful thing when I do that. Uh, And uh, with that, I pass. And thank you so much for allowing me to be here today.
0: Thank you very much, Dawn, for your share this morning. Thank you to all of our panelists for giving so much of yourselves this morning. Nancy J., Darian K., and Dawn B., the SHARE ID for today, 17,651. That's 17651. Contact information for our panelists this morning will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so stay tuned for that. And we will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question, questions only, to our panelists by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D.
4: Liz F. Jody E.
0: Liz F. Jody E. Wendy B. Wendy B. Lorraine N. Lorraine N. Corina V. Your first name again, please. Uh, Corina. 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 Thank you. Yes. Sandy B. And Sandy B. Okay. That's a good group. We have Elizabeth D., Liz S., Jody E., Wendy B., Lorraine N., Corina D., and Sandy B. Everybody, please mute except for Elizabeth D. Go right ahead.
5: Good morning, Leah. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for your service, Leah, um, this day and every day that you do service. And I also want to thank the three panelists. What a beautiful, beautiful um, special edition. My question is for Darian Kay. Um, I would love to hear more Uh, about your experience with self-centered fear. How does it manifest in your life and how do you bring the spiritual tools that you've described and that I've heard the others describe in dealing with that self-centered
0: fear? Thank you and I'll pass. Oh yes, hi there.
2: Well, self-centered fear comes up when, yeah, when I, I can't control a situation, which is pretty much all the time. (laughs) Um, You know, it can be, you know, specifically, well, I mean, it's always, it always seems to be with the person in our lives the most, and, you know, I live with my um, significant other here, um, and (sighs) So that it crops up, crops up quite a bit um, between us. Um, And it's, it's hard, it's hard to not shut down. I think that's, well, the fear part shuts me down and kind of makes me um, want to isolate and get away. Like, I don't know, I can't really go very far, but I want to like, just get away. and then that obviously becomes self centered because I'm not dealing with the situation at hand. Um and it's it's hard. It's really hard. Um but that is I guess when I when I remember, um, to take that pause and to take that quiet time and to apologize too if I need to, you know, if I have said something that makes me seem m- less than compassionate <laughs> about um you know what we're discussing or what he's pointing out to me he's a very he's a very realistic person he lives in reality which is a good thing right but for me it's very hard because that's that is you know something that's that's not necessarily how I want to operate in life so and I knew I knew coming here, you know, I've, I've lived with him for four years. So I knew that that would be, a, you know, something that I would need to deal with because when I wasn't, <laughs> I could hang up the phone and be on my own or, you know, uh, just not deal with it for now or whatever. And so now it's like, I have to deal with it. Um, and so that is, that is, oh, I really, that's where prayer comes in, talking to other people, um like i said doing those you know daily and nightly reviews about what i can do better um you know not beating myself up because i am human and i'm not going to change overnight evidently um i have always learning to do um and then just just pray just pray um to be uh in tune with a higher power. So, I mean, that's the best I have. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Elizabeth D., for your question. Liz S., your turn. Star one, unmute.
4: Hi, it's Liz S. Thank all of you uh, for your shares. I have a question for... Um, oh, gosh, my mind's gone blank. The last speaker, I apologize. Uh, I think it's Dawn B.? And, Correct. Uh, yes. I, I really wanted to ask you to speak a bit more on on being able to uh, to practice love towards. Um, I guess you were speaking really about practicing love towards others who harm you or irritate you. Or I find this very difficult, especially those who really even hurt others. People who I've witnessed hurting animals, who are pass me and I'm in the way so they you know they give me the fist they, you know, there's a lot more cruelty it seems in the world right now so love is something that's very hard for me to feel towards those people I have to work on forgiveness but love is difficult so I was wondering if you could talk about how you've become able to do that and feel that
3: uh, towards others thank you yeah Um, I believe it was Liz who had that question, and that was a beautiful, beautiful question. Thank you so much, and a great question. Yeah, um, for me, you know, having, uh, I can just say from my own experience, um, you know, as a mother of children with autism, and uh, sometimes their behavior as well can be, um, you know, I, there were a number of years when my son would hit us, uh, a lot and scratch us and like go for blood to see blood on our arms. I remember wearing long sleeves because, um, you know, of all the scratches on my arms and, um, we couldn't have pictures on our walls. He would throw all the pictures, uh, at us and, you know, pick up a TV and throw it and pick up an aquarium and smash it and, Um, You know, those were very, very challenging times, but um, just, uh, you know, asking for God's help during those times, you know, just all I can do is rely on God's abilities and not my abilities. And, um, and, you know, as a parent, um, just this deep, deep love in my heart and compassion and knowing that, um, you know, seeing just like the big book says, if we can see them, these people that you have seen, you know, on the, uh, in your life who have been hurting others and having cruelty to others, see them as sick people. Um, you know, see them as having a disease that they are sick. Uh, they are hurting and just have compassion for them. Um, you know, like a parent has compassion for their child, you know, me having compassion for my son as he was, you know, striking me and
1: um
3: and God gave me just an amazing peace, um, uh, you know, during those times and an unfailing love for them and seeing, you know, seeing the goodness in their heart deep down inside. Um, And just loving them like an unconditional love for them, uh, for my child. Uh, God gives us the ability to do things way beyond our abilities. And so I continue to ask for the ability to see people more like God sees them, to love them as God loves them, and to treat them as God would delight in me treating them. Uh, on a daily daily basis, and moment by moment moment, God gives me that ability. so thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Liz, for your question, Jody e. Your turn
4: Thank you very much thank you all of you for a wonderful share. My question is for Don also, Don. you talked about giving up your will and seeking God's will for your life. I really appreciate so much. Um, That's been a challenge for me, letting go of my little plans and designs. So I'm assuming you did have ideas about what you wanted for your life and for yourself. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about how you let that go those ideas, those plans, and designs. Thank you.
3: Yeah. um, It truly was uh, and is kind of a, you know, when you have plans and designs for, you know, like for my children, uh, that was like going through a death to have them, you know, to know that they have autism now and um, being told that, hey, if your son ever crosses the street, if he's ever able to go into grocery store and buy some food for himself, that would be a miracle. Uh, that was um, a, like a death, a death of hopes and dreams. And um, And the beauty of this program is that it teaches, you know, all of us have had hopes and dreams that have been shattered and just not what we wanted. And, um, you know, how do we handle that? How do we deal with that? And the program teaches us that. And it's such a beautiful uh, gift that this program is. All of us every day struggle with, you know, life isn't going the way I want it to go. And we struggle with thinking that we know better. I know I struggle with I know better than I think I know better than God the way life should be going. And this should not be happening. And so, um, and then I realized, you know, I, I um, saw this poster one time and it was like billions and billions of stars all over the poster and this tiny little arrow and the lower left hand corner of the arrow, I had to bend over and look to see what was on the arrow and it said, you are here. And it was just a little speck of light. And I realized, well, that really, that speck of light is actually the Milky Way galaxy. So there's billions and billions and billions of stars in that galaxy. And there's billions of planets revolving around those stars. And so comparatively speaking, I'm like this fleck of dust in all of God's creation. Um, So, you know, I always knew, you know, I always thought, well, I want to work for God, but I want to work in an advisory position with God. You know, I want to tell God what to do. Uh, and just the, um, you know, the reality is, is I am blind. I don't know. I can't see the difference between a tragedy and a blessing. And what may appear at first to be the worst possible thing may turn out to be the best possible thing um, because of what I will learn and what I will grow and how I will so, what autism I thought was the worst possible thing, but it has allowed me to learn and grow and evolve as a human being in ways that I simply never would have been able to. Our whole family has learned and grown in ways that we simply never would have been able to had our circumstances been any different than they were. And so, it has been the great, it has been a huge blessing uh, in my life because of who God is and because of how God uses those challenges in our life to bring about unspeakable, tremendous blessings. Uh, and that's all I have. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jody E. Wendy B. Your turn. Yeah. Hi, this is
3: Wendy B. uh, Recovered in Arizona. So my question is also for Dawn and, um, I just loved how you applied the concept of God being your employer, you know, and how you, um, in your day, you you want to accomplish God's priorities and not your priorities. And so I was just wondering, how do you determine um, what God's priorities are in any given situation? Thank you. Wow, that is a fantastic question. Um, and that is, you know, that is uh, that is a challenge to do. And so um, w- the only thing I can say is, you know, practicing during the day, um, practicing getting quiet with God, um, you know, in times of meditation, just quiet my mind and heart and just rest in God's loving presence and to, uh, to spend time with God, uh, also through, um, you know, two-way prayer, uh, listening for God and, um, you know, through the 10th step, you know, uh, saying what my character, finding my character defects, writing them down, and then asking for God's perspective on those things, asking for what, you know, Um, God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And then also asking, you know, if my higher power were to communicate directly to me regarding this issue, what might my higher power say? And just to quiet my mind and heart and ask for God to speak to me. You know, help me to learn what you would have me learn. Uh, Show me uh, your truth. Help me to see your truth and just quieting my mind and asking for that. Um, so that's all I have. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Wendy B. Lorraine N. Star 1 to Good morning.
5: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for your service, Leah, and all the panelists. Wonderful meeting. This is Lorraine N. in Oregon, compulsive overeater. Um, Dawn, I'm so f- fascinated by your story. but. um I'm curious, you may have said this and I missed it, but was there something in particular that happened that changed things for you and made you decide to put down the food? And, um, you know, you've been really clear that this is about your spiritual practice every day. And um, I had some questions about that, but you've answered them. So my question is, um, uh, yeah, mainly what 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 brought you to your knees? And um and with children with special needs, how do you find time in your day for these pauses? <laughs> anyway, I hope that made some sense. Thank you.
3: Well, thank you, Lorraine, and for that question. And um yeah, what brought me to my knees was um just realizing that I am going to, there's nothing ahead for me. Uh, I am the real deal. You know, I am the chronic compulsive overeater. I am the skid row, um, you know, digging in the trash, dumpster diving, um, compulsive overeater. And I saw the truth of that situation. And uh, just like for alcoholics back in the day, you know, there was locked up, boxed up, or sobered up. You know, it was uh, locked up in jail or an asylum, death boxed up or sobered up. I truly saw that I'm on a one-way street. There are no off-ramps, and there's nothing ahead but a lot more pain and a lot more suffering and an early death. And I, having, um, you know, children with disabilities, I needed to be there for them. I saw very clearly that I was going to be losing my choices for my uh, how to be able to care for myself. I was going to have to rely on other people to care for me. I could barely walk up a flight of stairs. Um, you know, my heart was doing strange things. I knew that I wanted to be there for my children as long as I possibly could to try to help them, and I did not want to be a burden on my family or others for my care. And uh, I wanted to leave. I didn't want to waste my life. And I wanted to try to, um, to be there for my children. So that was really what, you know, it just came. It's just like the doctor's opinion. It says in the doctor's opinion, we are hopeless. We are hopeless 100%. There is no other way out. We must put down the food, or we will die in our disease an early death with a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. So that's all I have. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lorraine N., for your question. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Karina D., star 110 mute.
2: No, I don't have any question I, uh, questions. I think I'm kind of new at this meeting, so
4: I'm just listening for the moment. Okay,
0: thank you, Sandy B. How can we, um, how can I mute? Star one, thank you, Karina. Thank you. Mhm, Sandy B. Your turn to pose the question.
5: <clears throat> thank you, and thank you to everyone on service on the meeting. This uh, my question is for Nancy J. I am hoping that she could repeat the prayer that she that she said and the
0: last part was Lord keep me out of your way. That's my question.
1: Thank you, Nancy. Yes. Yes. Hi, Sandy. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I'll repeat the prayer and if you want to Google. Uh, The person's name that I mentioned, this priest of 9-11 who handed this this prayer out to people in New York and the the beautiful story about him, his name is Michael Judge. It's spelled in an unusual way. It's M-Y-C-H-A-L and then the last name Judge. And this is the prayer, very short. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me out of your way.
0: Thank you, Sandy B., for your question. We have time for perhaps one more question. Anyone else have a question for our panelists?
6: Melissa W. Go ahead, Melissa. Um, my question... Hi. Thank you so much for the speakers in this incredible meeting. My question is for someone who's in the place of their recovery where they're sort of actively working this up, especially in, in fourth through nine. Melissa, I'm sorry.
0: You'll need to press star one to unmute again, I believe.
6: Can you hear me now? Yes. Hi. Sorry about that. So thank you to everyone. Uh, What an amazing meeting. And and my question is for someone who's in their recovery in a place where they are uh, actively working steps, especially in four through nine, but haven't either, they they haven't had a spiritual awakening and maybe don't have a God or trust their God or might be angry at, at a God is there something that that you'd suggest that they add to their spiritual practice, especially to help them, you know, keep abstinent during that period? And and the question is for for any of the speakers.
0: Panelists, anyone want to respond to Melissa's question? What to do while Um, implementing the steps prior to spiritual awakening?
1: Alaya? Nancy, go ahead. Hi. Well, when you talk about what you can do along the way, because that's what I think the question is, what what can you do along the way? I'm not up to step nine or step 10 yet, if that's the question. Um, A few things. One is on page 67 is the sick man's prayer, that if someone offends you, they actually tell you what to, what to say. If someone offends you, you say, "This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me from being angry. Thy will be done." So, right there, uh, you're starting to really turn to God for these difficult moments when someone offends you, and we and we have those moments all along the way. Uh, building this relationship with your higher power. When you get up to step nine, steps four through nine, uh, you can still do step 10. You can get involved on page 84 with what you do when you become uh, resentful, fearful, selfish, or dishonest. It, it tells you what to do. And and so each one of these things that you do uh, is gonna to help to build your relationship with your higher power. Uh, you certainly don't have to wait until you get up to step 11 to start with prayer meditation or step 12 um, helping others because uh, we're involved as a, as a community, as a fellowship um, all along the way. Even if you're not an official sponsor, you can still be of great help to other people in the fellowship. With that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Melissa W., for the question. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you to our three panelists who shared so beautifully this morning, bringing to life how they implement the program of recovery on a daily basis in order to have that Necessary daily tune-up and connection to one's higher power. Thank you, Nancy J., Darian K., and Dawn B., for your beautiful shares. Again, the share ID for this morning, 17,651. That's 17651. And we're going to close now from page 164. It's in a chapter entitled, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only.